it's almost Good Friday, so I figured that was fitting. Ah, good evening. It is I, Dr. Zeus. I've really grown accustomed to doing these. It's almost like uh, My Fair Lady. I've grown accustomed to his face. As you know, I love doing voices. And I tried my luck at being an actor and it didn't work because first of all I was in Northern California not Southern California I always wanted to just express myself but then you need to understand when you're 19, 20 years old you don't know how to do that first of all you don't know who you are when you're 19, 20 years old so there is nothing of existence to let go of there's nothing to draw from (sighs) at this point I would so love to just get into performing again because I feel, okay, I can inhabit another character, um, you know. But I used to love to do uh, voices like Hannibal Lecter, you know. <clears throat> Hello, Clarice. Hello, Clarice. You will let me know when those lambs stop screaming now, won't you? All the way back to the FBI. <laughs> I need a better microphone to do that. But yeah, I I love doing that, that form of expression, you know. And also, too, I know my audience. I know my, what my audience wants. They want something that's going to make them go, what the fuck? And I've always loved that, you know, making people go, what the fuck? What did you just say? What Even as a little kid... Um, I don't remember some of the things that I would say. I think we had an author at our school, and I asked how they come up developing their characters, and the teachers, some of them, were taken back by what I said. Like, how old is he? (coughs) But I don't like to think about that, because then it makes, you know, I don't want to get a big head over that. and think, oh, I'm special. No, I'm not. You know, it's just one of those... Yeah. <laughs> I love this. <gasps> An idea. As the stomach turns. Yeah. But I thought, what should I talk about? You know, I was going to talk about campy things because I love camp. For those of you who don't know what camp is, camp is very out there. It's dramatic, it's colorful, it's what the fuck. A good example of camp is anything that Liza Minnelli has done. The movie Anti-Mame with Rosalind Russell. I think anything that Rosalind Russell ever did was really camp. You know, she really had a big gay following. And um, that's what camp is. Camp is, I mean, it's always good to have a direct definition and I am the child of a teacher and so I was always taught to you know uh, have my evidence and so ah here we go style it's a style camp is an aesthetic style and sensibility uh oh it flipped out (laughs) 
A style and sensibility that regards something as appealing because of its bad taste and ironic value. Camp aesthetics disrupt many of the modernism's notions of what art is and what can be classified as high art by inverting aesthetic attributes such as beauty, value, and taste through an invitation of a different kind of apprehension and consumption. Camp can also be a social practice. For many, it is considered a style and a performance identity for several types of entertainment, including film, cabaret, and pantomime. I can't do pantomime right now because you're listening, you're not watching. So fuck that. I'm looking at my Himalayan lamp, and there are these little... Are those bugs? I don't know. I think they're attracted to the light. I was reading that I have to, I guess, use a damp washcloth and wash it. Like, I don't know. I ordered some more light bulbs for it. Oh, it's funny. I'm looking at camp, and there's a picture of Bette Midler. Known for her camp stage shows and film characters. Yes. Um, it's so funny that here, all of these family t- channels... Love the film Hocus Pocus with Miss Bette Midler. And these are usually channels that are for Christian values. And I'm thinking, and they're playing Hocus Pocus because of family values. And I'm thinking, they obviously don't recognize, I do, the camp aesthetics in Hocus Pocus. First of all, you have a gay icon. Um, Bette Midler playing a witch. Hello. Um, some of the things that come out of her mouth are along the lines of camp, but they are camp. You know, uh, when she does, I put a spell on you and she just vamps it up, you know? And I remember watching that as a kid and thinking, and I knew about camp and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, does everyone not realize what we're watching? Or when they would play it on these family stations. And I'm thinking, do you guys not realize this is not your grandfather's bread and butter? This is gay camp aesthetics. <sighs> and also, um, when I was a teenager, there was not a lot that I could draw from. And So, you know, when you're coming up into yourself and you're figuring, okay, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I bi? I don't know. And... Around that time, I discovered this program on PBS, and they were talking about the gay pride, and I'm like, oh, great. And they played a song that is uh, very synonymous. Not that one. Wrong one. I hate commercials. Applebee's to go. Order online and get $10 off $30. Yeah, give me that money. Here we go. That's a gay anthem. Now, in that same year, that I discovered. Biggie came out with that. 
And I remember listening to it. The first time I heard Mo Money Mo Problems, I started laughing. And everyone's like, what's wrong? I said, oh, nothing. And then when I was older, I said, you remember when we were all listening to Biggie? And they're like, yeah. You do know that's a gay song. And they're like, how do you, what? I said, yeah, they sampled I'm Coming Out, Diana Ross for Biggie. And I'm thinking, what is P. Diddy trying to tell us with that sample, huh? Mm, I mean, we know you loved Biggie, but did you love him that much, you know? I don't know. It's like some of these producers, you think, hmm, how much do they love their artists? I mean, you know, Suge Knight, I don't know. (laughs) Something in me tells me that Suge Knight was not totally straight. Now, Suge Knight hears this, he'll probably track me down and try to hurt me. And Snoop does have ties to Northern California, so, you know. But he doesn't have ties to Shug. Snoop went Christian. He's doing gospel music now. Oh, praise him. And I am stuck not doing weed. And I'm gonna praise him. It's like, fuck. No. Here's the thing. It's almost Good Friday. Yeah, I believe in God and all that. But I am not religious. Whenever we would go to church, it's either for a quinceañera, someone's dead, someone's getting married, someone's getting baptized. But I said that once and these ladies were like, oh, you're that kind of a Catholic. So, and I think I've told the story before, so I don't like to repeat myself. But I respect religions. But I think man-made religion is so dangerous. That's why I say I respect them, but I will not follow them. Because there is a danger. You think of all the people who have killed in the name of religion. And try to justify it. Oh, you know, like in the 60s when they would lynch. I mean, shoot, they've been lynching for a long time. And they would say, well, I'm a good Christian. So even though they did something very, very horrendous, they murdered someone because of their skin color, because of who they are. But at the same, oh, I'm a good Christian. Okay, so you're going to try to justify it and hide behind religion? I don't think so. Or... Um, during the 2008 campaign, 10 years ago, hello, some woman said she would not vote for Obama because he was Muslim. And John McCain stopped her and said, no, he's not. Because she didn't want to come out and say she won't vote for him because he's black, not because he's Muslim. She tried, you know, that's the thing. It's like that inherit the wind where they hide their prejudices behind religion. So, you know, whenever people say to me, well, I'm a good Christian, but I think you are immoral. It's like, well, you are not God. I love how people think that God speaks through them. Lily Tomlin did a really great thing. She's like, why is it when we talk to God, we're doing this, but when God talks to us, we're schizophrenic? Yeah, I need to find the rest of that joke, but, you know, um... Oh, and earlier I, I couldn't think of the name of the daughter who plays Darlene and Roseanne. 
well, Sarah Gilbert. And so I apologize for that. I always like to make, you know, fix my mistakes. But Sarah Gilbert, you know, I got to commend her. She is a lesbian and she is producing that show, you know. And I know she loves Roseanne, but I'm sorry. It's just not, even my brother watched it and was like, uh-uh. I said, yeah, because it lost its soul. You know, a good example of this is a spark. Or another thing. Oh, that's another thing. Okay, think of the Beatles. Think of this. Had all four of them lived, had they done that reunion that everyone wanted to do, yeah, it would have been nostalgia, but it would not have been the big entree that everyone wants. Because, see, here's the thing with the Beatles. You could only hit that spark once. And when you did it in 1964 on Ed Sullivan, that was the first and only spark they needed. You cannot read. It's, I mean, it's like Sade with it's never as good as the first time. I mean, come on. You know, come on. She has a point. See, and she says it right here. That's what I'm talking about. Roseanne. The show was so fucking ahead of its time. 1988 to 1997. You cannot reduplicate that spark. You got it once. I'm sorry, lightning doesn't strike again like that. Maybe in my dream where I held up the sword and lightning hit me three times. I thought, ooh, this is a message to interpret. But that's a horse of a different color, you know? And so, yeah, I'm not going to talk about the Roseanne reboot anymore. I'm not going to watch it. But I wanted to get that out of the way to acknowledge Sarah Gilbert for what she's done. You know? Hey, she was, you know, it's successful. I'm just not going to watch it. It's like the Kardashians. Huh. I love when people, one time I went somewhere at work and they're like, what do you think about the Kardashians? I don't think of them. Why not? Because I don't like them. You don't? No. I'm not really a big fan of reality TV. And they're like, what? They're like, but everyone likes the Kardashians. I don't. And I don't think they do either. You know, they all... (laughs) I think that they have basically bastardized society. You know, rather than say gorgeous, everyone says gorge. They're trying to hyphenate everything. Cool. You want to sound alternative? Great. But do not base your values on the Kardashians. Oh, but they're successful and they have big butts. You're a hater. Fuck that. You know how much electrolysis they gotta get with some of that shit? Come on. Um, yeah, I like artists and I like actors and writers and directors. I like people who do things. They don't fucking do anything. They just pimp themselves out. And people will say, well, that's brilliant. You just don't understand. No. 
I know when you've worked so hard for something and you win that Academy Award because you have fucking worked, worked, worked. Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> worked, worked. Harvey Weinstein couch. And, and you are people-pleasing, people-pleasing. That is work. And you're, sh- and you're waiting on tables. Those Kardashian bitches never had to wait on any fucking tables. Come on. They never had to do the grit and the grime. And plus, one of them is married to Kim. Yeah, Kanye West. Talk about someone who needs to be put to sleep. Yeah. Not the greatest rapper in the world. And let pe- yeah, people do. Oh, you don't understand, Kanye. I understand. Man is mentally ill and needs a pill to help him. And I'm all for him getting help, but he doesn't want it. So instead he's like, Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. And then he takes a swig of that booze. Come on. (sighs) Self-medicating. You know, I love doing these. I love that I can just say whatever I fucking want. You know, it takes me back. takes me back to a time and a place called unemployment when I was collecting it. That was okay. I wasn't getting a lot back, but oh, I would wait for that electronic check. It would just come in and it's like, I can go to Popeye's now, which I shouldn't be doing because that's very bad for me to eat, you know, but it was, it was, I really enjoyed 2016, the, the first part, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with family I got to see them grow and blossom. And um, I got to see my nephew experience preschool. It was pretty tough, you know, and he opened up. And uh, I have a fond memory of us watching Full House, which I don't particularly like, the reboot on Netflix. And I'm like, whoa. He was like, it's different. I see, that's different. It's called a do over. Oh, my God. 2016, you know, I was good. I didn't go out and be bad. You know, I was talking to a friend about that tonight. Uh, As a Sagittarius, we have a dark side. We have a light side and a dark side. Just ask Taylor Swift. Yeah. Look what you made me do. Oh, I know what she made you do. (sighs) And Sagittarius is, you know, we're, we're good. We work hard, but we love hard. But we are also self-destructive. And I had to let go of that. I really had to let go of it. I remember being so fucking angry. Oh, my goodness. Angry at everything. And, you know, Rage Against the Machine said, Your anger is a gift. And it was for a time. But then I was like, I can't do this anymore, you know? I can't be breaking windows. Because I did, and it sliced me open. And I had to just, like, can't get angry. I can get angry, but in a different way, I can channel it. You know, I saw something online where they were talking about Nine Inch Nails and how they miss angry Trent. He still has it. You know, yeah, he's a family man. He's got kids. He's got a wife. But he still has that anger. You never let that go. When you channel it artistically, it's an interesting thing. You don't have to display it physically. 
or verbally, but you can write it down. You can make music of it. It is an expression. So yeah, you know, Zach de la Roca of Rage Against the Machine was right. Your anger is a gift. Yeah, I've always wanted to see them live. Oh my God, I love how they, they do what they want and they fucking piss everybody off. Oh, I can't believe you listened to them. They're, they're, they support cop killing. No, they don't. Fuck you. They're, they're very moral. Well, I don't know what else to tell you. You know, or it's like, uh, people tell me, oh, you shouldn't watch that. Why? Because it's so bad. Yeah. Or I remember when Obama was first elected and people said to me, you know, it says in the Bible that the end is near. And I said, why? Because a black man is a president? Please. He's just getting started. Hey, and he did a good job. He didn't do what he should have with guns and gun control. That's my opinion. And if you don't agree with it, hey, fuck you. And I mean that. I mean, you know... When you have kids, things change. I don't have kids, but, well, I'm related to them. And um, I don't think people understand. I love when I'm holding on to my guns just in case the government is overthrown. Please, if something happens to the government, you and your little guns versus a tank and a cannon... Please. It's like uh, an ant versus a hedgehog. Squish. Crunch. I'll leave you with these parting words from the musical Into the Woods by the incomparable. Here's a gay camp moment. Bernadette Peters. Because everything she does is gay. But we love it. It's the last midnight. It's the last wish. Nothing but a vast trumpet midnight. Nothing we can do. We can always give him Trump. God take him. And squish. Crunch. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping for a Nixon type of impeachment. I am not a crook. Yeah, you fucking are. Did you see The Apprentice? You're not fired. This is Dr. Zeus. Thank you. Good night. And remember, when $20 is $20, you get on your fucking knees. Good night.